Hi, welcome. This is the Fisher Phillips podcast. I'm Rick Grimaldi, and I'm thrilled to be with you today. I'm a partner at the firm, and I am really, really, really thrilled to uh, uh, welcome my colleagues at the firm, uh, Brian Bolanek, Ray Ann Virgo, Jay Glunt, and Heather Steele. And we're going to be talking about the invisible workforce, uh, which is something that uh, I've paid a lot of attention to uh, over the last several years uh, and um, actually wrote a book uh, about it called Flex. And um, my colleagues have also spent a lot of time. In fact, the firm is really focused on the future of work. And, and these are issues that are important and impactful uh, for all employers out there. So we're going to kick this right off um, and let's jump right in with, uh, with Brian. Brian, uh, a lot of employees, obviously, during the pandemic have been working remotely. Now we're going on a little more than a year. And a lot of employers are talking about how do we commit to virtual work for the foreseeable future? And what do you think in terms of why should employers with a virtual workforce commit to developing positive employee relations? And, and, and how do they fit that into their culture? Well, Rick. I've always preached to my clients that having positive employee relations is something that needs to be top of mind. And I've talked about that with employers long before the pandemic started. And the reason for that is that it's always been the case that when employees feel like they don't have a voice in the workplace, they tend to seek out that voice somewhere else, often through third parties. That can be labor unions, competitors, um, administrative agencies, or just complaining to other coworkers about the workplace. In the virtual workplace, obviously managers and supervisors aren't seeing and, inter and interacting with employees. And without having that traditional contact, it is easy to forget that employees still have those same concerns that they've always had. They want to feel connected and empowered. And that's difficult to do when managers and supervisors aren't seeing them every day. And that's why I feel that strongly that developing a positive employee relations culture needs to be as important as any other business objective right now while employees are working virtually. Yeah, and, 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 and how do you go about that? Um, I mean, just briefly in terms of, uh, you know, creating that. You know, it's not easy, Rick. Um, and it's something that to do it the right way, managers and supervisors need to focus on it every day. This is not something that employers can just pay lip service to. They really need to make it um, just as important as any other business objective that they have. In, in normal times, uh, we, had, we saw our employees at the water cooler and other places where we could interact with them, hear about their concerns and issues, and, and really judge their morale in the workplace. Now that we can't do that and, and, and hear what's frustrating them and responding to their concerns, um, it's really vital that employers and managers find a way to do that. The result of focusing on these issue, issues is having an engaged workforce that doesn't need to reach out to a third party, but instead feels confident that its issues and concerns can be effectively addressed in-house. The only way that employees can feel that way is if they feel as though their managers and supervisors are reaching out to them on a regular basis, not just when they have a business need to reach out to them. Excellent. Rayanne, uh, employee mental health. Obviously, we've heard a lot about mental health during the pandemic and how difficult it has been for people to make adjustments. 
Um, and it's certainly um, prior to the pandemic been on the minds of employers. Um, but it, it, it has gotten it has gotten more difficult. Uh, and you know, since the pandemic began, um, and employees are working remotely, it is obviously a much much bigger focus. Uh, in your opinion, working from home, how has that impacted employees' mental health and well-being? Uh, yeah, good question, Rick. So, what we're seeing is that their employers are facing a compound problem. You know, now they have this invisible workforce dealing with what I'm calling an invisible crisis, mental health. I mean, some um, people will say that there is really two pandemics going on right now. You know, one is the, the COVID pandemic and the other one is the mental health pandemic. So, you know, when you are in a, a work environment, in-person work environment, you know, human resource personnel and managers were able to interact with their employees in person on a daily basis. And that gave them a better sense of whether somebody might be, you know, off or possibly not themselves. You know, they could visibly observe the demeanor and actions, expression of their employees. Uh, when your work workforce is remote, as an employer, you lose this ability. So it's, it's hard enough to detect these uh, invisible issues such as mental health and well-being, you know, when you're interacting in person with an employee. But when you have a remote workforce, these uh, uh, detection issues become exemplified. So obviously, um... <laughs> You know, with the advent of technology and people working virtually, we're seeing that even in terms of our healthcare, uh, with um, televisits and those sorts of things with our doctors. And how has that changed? Um, and we know that 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 EAP has traditionally been a way to support employee mental health and well-being at work. But what else can employers do to protect employees' mental health, um, specifically when they're in a remote work environment? Yeah, so I think that employers need to focus on the overall goal of making mental health issues visible. And, and the key to doing that is, as Brian mentioned, I think this overall theme in a remote workforce is communication with employees, but also communication amongst employees. So employers should, should really be communicating and making it clear that, that uh, mental, employee mental health is extremely important. They should be seeking input from their employees on how the remote work environment is impacting their mental health. And I think really most importantly, they should be encouraging employees to speak up about mental health issues in the workplace. And so um, in addition uh, to talking to employees and providing information to them, they should be providing opportunities for employees to connect with each other and informally discuss mental health and well-being experiences and concerns. You know, I've been seeing um, employers do this in, in two different ways. I mean, there's other ones, but the ones that stick out to me are, you know, they've been using Slack channels or Microsoft team groups that they dedicate solely to these topics. So employees can, during the day while they're home working remotely, jump on and off to see who's on there, have a quick discussion, maybe vent a little bit of frustration um, and jump off. And one more thing I'll add very quickly is that, you know, another topic is uh, PTO. Employers can be encouraging employees to use their PTO and even offering specific mental health days. You know, working remotely coupled with pandemic travel restrictions may have caused employees to take less time off as compared to when they were coming into an office or work location. So I would emphasize that employers should support remote employees in taking a true break from work. 
So it's interesting uh, when you're talking about PTO and you start to get into issues of, um, of work time and things like that. And what a lot of people probably don't consider is that there are wage and hour issues that come into play when we're talking about the, quote, invisible workforce. Uh, Jay, I'm curious, why is uh, wage and hour compliance important um, for this particular segment of the workforce? Thanks, Rick. I, I think it's important because this is an area, wage and hour, where not only are the means and methods of doing work changing, like what Ryan was just talking about with people now suddenly using Slack channels or Microsoft Teams. So the way that we do work is changing. On top of that, in the wage and hour world, the laws about payment of wages are changing. And so we have remarkable number of new state and local laws governing all kinds of things from overtime rates and methods of calculating wages to paid leave, even, even things like state medical marijuana type laws come into play in the wage hour world. You know, sometimes when people start talking about wage hour, it feels like a really dry and boring topic. For me, it's just the opposite. And, and I'm doing my best to change that conversation this is a very highly personal thing in terms of making sure that people are paid correctly. And so it's, a, it's, it's important because it's such a challenging area for compliance. I always say, if we try to hold ourselves to a standard of perfection in wage and hour, we will surely fail. We have to do as, as good as we can within all the different things that Brian, Ray, and Heather are talking about so that the workforce can be as positive about work as we can get as we can get them and then we get maybe a little bit of forgiveness if we happen to have a slip up on the wage and hour front so if you had to pick one thing jay um one risk area um that that you would want to highlight at least for now um and 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 have companies consider a and i'm required to say this at least once in every podcast a flex approach um to, to continue the use of remote workers. What do you think is the one area that you see um, in your experience and what you've been doing over the last year that's probably the potentially greatest risk? That's a great question. And I think in this context, the flex approach is perfect um, terminology. I, I would look at the way that we pay our workers and, and sort of divide the world of wage and hour into two categories. The first category would be paying people correctly for the work that they do. And the second category would be paying people correctly for the types of things where we are required to pay them, but it's not work time. It's compensable non-work time. So that would be, for example, those jurisdictions that require paid breaks or uh, required paid training sessions, travel time. So we have a very significant portion of the workforce who's been working from home for a long time and, will, and may very well continue working from home for a long time, they may find it necessary to travel occasionally, even if the travel is only to the place of work where they used to, to report. Sometimes that travel time is compensatory, but it is not necessarily thought of as work time. So I guess if I had to flag one area for the clients that we work with to really focus on, I would say let's focus on paying people correctly for the compensable non-work activity. So, you know, it's funny because uh, as I'm hearing you talk, um, 
we, you know, we're so used to developing practices and policies around uh, people that are actually at the work site. Um, Heather Steele, um, how important is it for employers to start thinking about and having policies that relate to remote work as we move forward here? There's several reasons for that. Um, first, for consistency, the same as with all other written policies, an employer is more likely to consistent, consistently enforce a policy that's distributed to all employees in writing. Um, it's also important, especially when dealing with a remote workforce like we've, we've been doing and likely will continue to do for the you know, foreseeable future, to ensure that employees understand what is expected and required of them. And so having a policy that includes that type of information would be very helpful. So obviously there are a lot of things that we can and should talk about in the context of policies. Um, what do you think are the most important things that ought to be in a remote uh, work policy. Obviously, people have practices and they do things like that, but this is a really can be uncharted territory for, for everyone. And, and if you had a list, the most important things that ought to be in writing, what do you think that ought to be? Yeah, so there are many things that employers could put into their remote work policy. I think the most important thing is for an employer to focus um, on the fact that they need to set clear expectations for employees who are working remotely. So outlining times when employees should or are required to be accessible. Um, explaining to employees how they should report time off from work. So if they're taking a vacation, sick, or other PTO time. Um, explaining to employees how they report that time. Stating to employees the duration of the re remote work, if it's going to be you know, a limited duration. And then employers should also address um, remote access to company information and the employee's obligations to protect company information when working remotely. So employers still have the obligation to make sure that they're protecting their information, you know, any client information, information that they hold um, confidential or proprietary, and in managing a remote workforce, that could be even more difficult than when we're working in the office. And then also, depending on where the employee is working, because there's different you know, rules and laws that relate in different states, employers may need to address uh, reimbursement for expenses that are associated with remote work. And then touching on what Jay referenced earlier, it's really important for the re remote work policy to clearly state that non-exempt hourly employees are required to report all the hours that they're working. That is um, really, really helpful information. And, 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 and really all of this, you guys are, are terrific. Uh, Brian Bolanek, Ray Ann Burgo, Jay Glunt, Heather Steele, uh, I want to thank you. And, and this is a really great overview. And if you really want to do a deeper dive, first of all, I would highly recommend that you go to the Fisher Phillips website and go to the links for Brian, Rayanne, uh, Jay, and Heather. Um, you'll get a sense of the depth of the work that they do in this area. Uh, and, um, and they're always available to assist. Um, and, and they will be presenting a webinar uh, that um, will take a deeper dive into all of these issues um, about the invisible workforce and the trends that we're beginning to see. You can register at the Fisher Phillips website um, and sign up for timely information. And of course, as I said, contact uh, any of the attorneys that, that have been on this podcast. And if you're looking for a really general overview uh, about the future of work. Um, 
really uh, take a look at my book Flex. It's available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com and at booksellers near you. Again, I want to thank you guys, and uh, this has been absolutely terrific. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation. Thank you.